At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome in to the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Happy Friday, if that's when I'm catching you. And I don't want to waste any of your time today with chit-chat, because we have a great show, even though I guess you consider... Uh, podcast chit chat overall but this is going to be really good chit chat today we're going to start with some ucla and usc football discussion with la times sports reporter took knee win you can find her on twitter at took knee 21 i met her back when i would cover ucla football practices she was there as well used to be the beat reporter for them and now she covers all the la sports does a great job with that so we'll get her thoughts on ucla and usc win totals how they're going to look versus utah and just overall look at the pac-12 and also Adam Burke is back from VEASAN to discuss the Angels and the Dodgers. We have to get his thoughts on the possible sale of the Angels, Shohei's future, and, you know, the Dodgers continuing to do what they do best, win, win games, except for when I bet on them, of course. And finally, we will talk about the WNBA Sunday semifinals, game one preview, Storm at Aces and Sun at Sky. Do you guys say semifinals or semifinals? I know I've said this on the pod before, but I really want to know and nobody ever answers me. So semifinals, semifinals, semis, semis, what do we, how do we say it? Because I say it both ways, but we are going to talk about them either way. Game one on Sunday for both teams or both, uh, all four teams rather. Before we get into any of that, let's take a look at the Los Angeles odds. So the Dodgers are still the favorite to win the World Series at plus 350. The Mets are plus 475. And we're going to have the lovely Will Hill, who is the host of the New York City cast, on the pod on Monday because the Dodgers and the Mets are playing each other soon. So 
something to keep an eye on. The Angels are not even in the conversation, so let's not even look at those odds for them. But the Angels are in action on Friday at the Blue Jays. They're getting... Yeah, well, getting one and a half runs the run line at minus 135. But the money line for the Angels is plus 150 with Reed Detmers on the mound and Mitch White on the mound for the Blue Jays. Again, Angels at the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays money line minus 175. Blue Jays minus one and a half runs. So the run line at plus 115. And the total for this one at eight and a half. We've seen a lot of sevens with the Angels games lately. And it's been nice to kind of look for over spots as you can find them. But... Maybe this is one that we don't necessarily look at. Also, we have preseason football going on Friday. The Chargers at the Saints. The Chargers are getting three and a half points. Total for this one, 36 and a half. I don't bet NFL preseason. I don't pretend to have an edge in that. But if you find one, absolutely go for it. Uh, the Rams are also going to be at the Bengals on Saturday for their final preseason game. The Rams getting two and a half points. And the total for this one at 37 and a half. You can find all these odds and so much more at Bet River Sportsbook. Now let's welcome in Took Nee Win, LA Times sports reporter. You can find her on Twitter at T-H-U-C-N-H-I-2-1. Took Nee, how are you preparing for football? How is everything going for you? Oh my gosh. It's about that time, right? It's been a long summer. It, we're ready to go. Let's play some games. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we're going to look at some odds with you today as well that are still some options people can get in at Bet Rivers. But some of the biggest news really broke in the last month or so about uh, some changes that will be going on in the Pac-12, USC and UCLA to move to the Big Ten. What was your initial reaction to that? I mean, first, it was like, oh, this is going to be very awkward for the next two years. <laughs> uh, but afterwards, I mean, as we were kind of like figuring out the timeline and stuff, a big thing that crossed my mind as a Pac-12 native was like, oh man, like I'm not going to be able to go on my like regular trip to Seattle <laughs> when you, yeah. USC or UCLA uh, go play UW, which is my alma mater. But you know, hey, let's go, let's go explore the Midwest. This is a national game we're playing now. <laughs> and I know you mentioned before we started recording that you, at the LA Times, you were one of the only Pac-12 people there, everybody else Big Ten? Yes, uh, of our college team, that covers uh, college sports regularly at the LA Times. Me, Ben Bolch, Ryan Karchi, and Brady McCullough, all three of those guys are Big Ten alums. Uh, ben went to Northwestern, Ryan and Brady both went to Michigan. So they were like, yeah, let's go. Totally familiar with this Midwest conference. And I'm just like, oh, ugh, now I got to get a winter jacket again. Ugh. <laughs> I would way rather go to Seattle than Michigan myself, but I was born and raised in California, so maybe that explains it. I... I was surprised to see the backlash, honestly, from it. Especially, I mean, it's understandably so, but even, like, up to the governor of California was upset about it. So I don't know if there was much stock in that, though. Like, I think this is a business decision. As soon as they started doing that NIL stuff, like, all bets were off. Yeah. At, the, at this point, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Governor Newsom getting mad is going to do much to actually right. change it, but he can try. He can try to be mad. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying to pull up now one of the NIL things that I just saw, too, for one of the USC wide receivers, Jordan Addison, uh, holds a $1.4 million NIL valuation signing a deal with United Airlines. So it's just getting out of control now. And so you're expecting things like this to happen. And I was actually surprised that UCLA was on top of this. I, I would not be surprised if USC made a move like this, but the fact that UCLA got packaged in, I think, was really beneficial. Yeah, I mean, if I'm, I'm UCLA, I'm excited. If I'm Cal, I'm just... Like, I'm feeling very lonely right now without my other U UC guy. But at this point, it's every school for themselves. 
Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have the older brother and they, they're just not as good as the younger brother. All right. I don't know, like Bryce James versus Bronny James. There's just comparisons where UCLA, you know, we were the little sister school, but let's let us fly. You got to let us spread our wings <laughs> a little bit. So I, I'm excited for it, obviously. And also because when I was at UCLA, we were Adidas. And then since then it was Under Armour. That was a mess. <laughs> Lawsuits. Yep. And now finally Nike Jordan and also headed to the Big Ten. Big things coming, I think, for UCLA fans and USC, of course. So with that, let's take a look at some of these win totals. So I know how I feel about these, and it's totally going to look like a homer based on it, but UCLA win total is at eight still at Bet Rivers, and it's not heavily juiced really one way or the other, so you can still get an over or under depending on what you like. But if you think UCLA is going to win more than eight games and you get that eight instead of eight and a half and they only win eight games, you get your money back. It's a push. So it's a lot safer than an eight and a half bet. What are your thoughts on UCLA season? Do you think they can get over that eight-game hump? I, they better. <laughs> they <laughs> if, need to. Yes, they need to. I, I think they will, consider, considering their non-conference schedule, Bowling Green, South Alabama, mm -hmm. Alabama State, that's automatic 3-0. And considering the trajectory of where this program is and where it should be at this point in Chip Kelly's tenure, I think eight is an easy, is an easy threshold to pass. I think they should, theoretically, if everything goes as the way as it should and the way fans are expecting it to, they should be kind of flirting with 10 maybe. Yeah. I mean, dare to dream, dare to dream <laughs> UCLA fans. I get why UCLA fans are tentative. I've, I've asked people what their thoughts are on this win total and the response from largely from UCLA fans has been probably under, like people are still low on their team and I get it. Cause I think expectations were very high for UCLA last season. And I don't know that they delivered on that, even though they were like, oh, it was the first really successful season under Chip Kelly. I mean, UCLA fans have been hurt, you know, so they're, they're not <laughs> so ready. They're not ready to trust again yet. No, but, not. I mean, I, I think last year they had what looked like a kind of a tough schedule. Mm -hmm. So, but this year it's a lot easier. I think they have Oregon at home again, that non-conference schedule. Uh, that's very easy. Colorado is their first Pac-12 game. And I know that's on the road at Colorado, but mm -hmm. that should be a win. So 4-0 start, you know, yeah. like I, 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 and they still got Arizona, Arizona State. Both of those schools are kind of struggling uh, yeah. to transition. So I think they should feel pretty good about getting at least close to the double digit uh, win total. Um, at least that's what that's what people should expect from UCLA. We'll see if they actually do it because, you know, they they very rarely meet expectations, at least lately. That's right. I mean, I go through the schedule and I go, not one, two, three, four, nine wins, maybe 10, nine, maybe 10. And so I'm double checking three or four times because I'm like, why is this number at eight? There's just not a lot of faith in UCLA. I think there's a little bit of value to be said for going over on the UCLA win total. Also, thing we haven't even addressed change at defensive coordinator how big is that going to be do you think that ucla's pass defense is going to look a lot better i, I again i would hope so because it can't really get much worse <laughs> that's but, true that's true that's positive yeah i mean that's that's going to be the big x factor for ucla as it's always been under chip kelly you know chip comes in and he makes the offense go however yeah. however he needs to do it whether it's run pass who whatever the personnel is he, he makes it work. That's always mm -hmm. been his MO. That's always been his greatest skill. And it's just a matter of can he get the defense to – it doesn't even have to match, just like oh, like almost there, you know, almost just there. don't hurt us. Just be competent. <laughs> just, um, yes. 
So I think that's going to be the big question, and they have a lot of big transfers coming in on that side of the ball. The Murphy twins, the, de- the defensive ends from North mm-hmm. Texas, I think people are excited about. And so it's going to be a lot of new faces, both coaching staff and players, that really need to prove themselves to see how far UCLA can go this year. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I think all they have to do is not have their defense get in their way, to your point. Uh, if we look at USC, <laughs> last season we had you on the show. It was a mess. It was a mess. They were switching between quarterbacks at the end. They lost Drake London midseason. Uh, and yet they bring in a flashy new head coach in Lincoln Riley. He brings his quarterback with him. They add on a bunch of really fun pieces. That's actually what's funny, I think, is USC always adding on the shiny five-star recruits, of course, especially the skill players. Their win totals at nine and a half. People are pretty high on USC. I mean, they're two to one to win the Pac-12 at Bat Rivers. They're the shortest odds. People are really high on USC. They think they're going to the national title game under their first-year head coach. What are your thoughts on USC? I mean, I think the ceiling is really high. You look at all those transfers: Caleb Wilson, Jordan Addison, mm-hmm. that you mentioned. Like, we talk about transfers when it comes to Chip Kelly, but what Lincoln Riley did in the transfer mm-hmm. portal. It, it was it, it blew Chip Kelly out of the water, you know? Yeah. And so you look at the talent he brought in, it's insane. And now mm-hmm. it's just a matter of can it, can it gel? Can it come together? Caleb Wilson is amazing. We saw what he could mm-hmm. do at Oklahoma, but that was also his, his first season. Not a lot of, you know, scouting tape on him yet. That was his – he didn't even start the entire season. So he still has a lot to prove, and – We'll have to see how he kind of grows into the soft, his sophomore year in college football. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the ceiling is so, so high. And it's it's just a matter of, again, like, are they going to be able to prove it? Especially on defense. Like, Alex Grinch yeah. has a lot of work to do on that defense. Like, last year, USC's defense was statistically the worst in school history. <laughs> so they have a long way to go on that side I'm of the sure ball. I'm sure the alumni are stoked about that. <laughs> Hey, again, nowhere to go but up from there. Yeah. Literally. That's true. (laughs) That's literally, that's true. It's funny you say that with the defense because I do think that when we talk about a high ceiling, this USC offense is like a powder keg. Like it's just like, just, it's just waiting. It's going to be electric. And I've been saying the way to bet USC this season is probably to look at overs in games. Now the totals will probably reflect that they'll be really high, but maybe there's an opportunity there uh, because I don't think their defense is going to be up to par the same way their offense is. And maybe you're going to get some good opportunities for overs, but that's really where USC has to step up in an area that people aren't paying attention to. Everyone's looking at the shiny offense. Right. Uh, Like why not? Let's bring a little big 12 shootout energy to the Pac-12, you know? Like, let's have some fun. It, yeah. Just hopefully not at, like, the 7.30 games, and then we're there until 1 a.m. Like, let's not do that, but if it's if it's a no noon kickoff, yeah, if it's a noon kickoff, we got time. You know, let's get yeah. let's get weird for noon. But yeah. at 7.30, let's keep it, let's keep it normal. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you completely. And uh, as far as the Pac-12, there's another team we haven't talked about, Utah, and those are two of the lines that are already up for those October games for UCLA and USC. Utah is right behind USC in the odds at plus 240 to win the Pac-12. Over at VSIN, where I work, all of the betting experts are very excited, and it's funny, right? A lot of them are not Pac-12 people, and so they're really looking at it objectively a little bit more than maybe me who went to UCLA, right? But everyone's very, very high on Utah and thinks that they're going to win the Pac-12. Do you have thoughts on this? I mean, Utah has always been the... It's just the the hard team to play in the Pac-12. Everyone has struggled with Utah. Even Washington 
when it had like its kind of rain up at the top of the Pac-12, it the Utah game was always really hard to play for UW. So, I mean, I think Utah is going to be good again, and their quarterback Cam Rising is very good, and he really proved it last year with the season that they put together. And Utah for so long was the most consistent team in the Pac-12, but they hadn't really jumped over yet. I think they were the last team in the Pac-12 South to even play in the championship game, which is crazy uh, because they were so good. It's crazy that Colorado beat them to the Pac-12 championship game. But now that Utah finally got over the hump, they just smacked Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game last year. I think now that they they reached the top, they're going to remain consistent and and stay there. So I think they're really the team to beat in the Pac-12. I agree with be. you, and I just feel like they've been slow and steady over the last you know decade or so, building that program up the right way. And we've talked about this, playing at Utah is awful. USC has to do that this year. UCLA doesn't, fortunately. UCLA uh, getting two and a half points at home when they host Utah in October, and then USC hosts them after that and has to go to Utah. Utah, by and large, if I talk to any of my friends who played football at UCLA, they hate playing at Utah. They hate it. So you, I think Utah's been doing all of the right things, and it's coming to fruition for them now. I, I think they just – I mean, this is Kyle Whittingham's thing, you know. He just he just gets really good linemen, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and they're they're not like this cool, sexy pick. Uh, they don't have the, the huge, huge name transfer like a USC, but they just go yeah. out there and they, they win, which is yeah. – I mean, you can't argue with the results. That's what I'm saying. And and you mentioned uh, Cam Rising. I know that Stormy Bonatoni, who's a friend of mine, she does ESPN Sideline. She's going to be covering some Pac-12 games. She's really high on him, possibly as like a Heisman candidate. I mean, I, I would kind of love that. Um, <laughs> I, I remember him being so good when he played UCLA last year. And, I mean, the the tough thing about the Heisman, someone asked me about, like, Caleb Wilson is also Heisman Heisman name that people are kind of throwing mm-hmm. out there, and yeah. I think part of the Heisman is just you have to get the you have to get the hype train rolling. You know, you have to have the right PR yes. people behind you. You have to have uh, the right kind of like campaign happening, and obviously the most important thing is, is winning. And you have to win, win in a fun way. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, splashy. Yes, and I'm not sure if really Utah has that in them because as we mentioned, like they're not like the sexy team. But Utah's just not a sexy state, let's be honest. <laughs> it's just um, not. With all due respect to Utah, it's probably yeah. not on the on the top of the list. I meant that in a flattering way. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think it's going to be hard for Cam Rising to really break into that Heisman Market, conversation. Yeah. Not just not because he's not good, because again, I'm a huge fan of his. But yeah. it's just it, it's all the extra stuff, the other stuff that you need to yeah. have. Humans vote on this. Too. Yeah, so it's not just by the stats, unfortunately. Humans right. are the ones who vote on this. So yes. there's a there's a margin for error. So final notes, UCLA, I like them over eight wins. You you think, yes, nine or ten maybe. Should yeah. be able to do that, especially with the schedule, right? Schedule lends itself to that. USC win total nine and a half. You think they win ten games? I feel like, uh, I feel like that's kind of tough because it's so unpredictable with the first with the first year mm-hmm. head coach. Do they have the talent and the ceiling to do it? Yes, but I think mm-hmm. just when you factor in the margin of error for what could go wrong in the first year. Especially first year, yep. With so many new players, so many new transfers, I feel like it's going to be really hard to get to double-digit wins in your first season, even though I know just, all USC fans are hoping for it. 
It's, there's a lot of question marks. I think if you're a USC fan, maybe you bet the over and you just have fun and cheer for it. But I think that this first year maybe is not the time to do it. And I definitely think UCLA going over is a little more realistic, but that's coming from a UCLA fan. So take that with a grain of salt. And Pac-12, who do you like to win the Pac-12? I'm probably While we still have the Pac-12. <laughs> right. Two more years of the Pac-12. Um, I, one thing I want to know is if they're going to change the name back to the Pac-10. Because it's they not better. Like, I hate this. I hate when the conferences don't change the numbers. I mean, the Big Ten has 14 teams right now. Like, what are we even Horrific. doing? College, college football is not good at math. Just take the numbers out. Like, <laughs> call them something out. I don't know. I get it. it's like Big Ten, Pac-12. I don't know what you call it, but... Yeah, but what is it? The, what is the um, the podcast of champ- the the conference of champions, I, if you will? Yeah. Maybe you call it that. I don't know. Um, but whoever who, in terms of who's going to be winning this conference, that may or may not be changing its name in the future. Um, I'm going to go with Utah again. Yeah, um, I, I think yeah, they're I, I think they're due for a uh, a long stay toward the top of the conference. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a more. I don't know the, the adjective I want to use here, but I think that it's, I was going to say safer, but I think that it's a more understandable, you could back it up option as opposed to USC. I think everyone's, it's fun and it's hype on USC. Uh, one team we didn't mention, Oregon. Any interest in Oregon? Because I feel like they're just kind of flying under the radar. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the only thing we're everyone's talking about in terms of Oregon right now is like, what are they going to do when UCLA and USC leave? <laughs> that mm. That's kind of like the, the big question uh, yeah. surrounding Oregon right now. I mean, it's kind of hard to know because um, mm-hmm. they're also going through a lot of change. They lost yep. their running back. Their running back, Travis Dye, came down to USC. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, in, it's hard to it's hard to really get behind a team that hasn't proven something yet in a in a new era. Yes. Yeah, I just wonder if we're going to be talking about them more as the season gets going. But I guess we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, you got to play uh, the games. I'm, I'm excited. We're going to have you back on during the season, of course. Uh, so make sure you follow her on Twitter again. That's T-H-U-C-N-H-I-2-1. That's Tookney. And thank you so much. And look for her work in the LA Times as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> and next, we will welcome in Adam Burke to talk baseball, Angels, Dodgers, and more right here on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. Kick off football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. All season long, Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all football related content. Check out betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams and back your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Danielle Alvari, happy to welcome back in Adam Burke, who just completed his last MLB article. Yeah, I, uh, I need to focus on football at this time of the year. You know, you and I both know that football is is what drives the bus here in, in the sports betting world. So, uh, you know, plus September has historically been my worst month for baseball. There's just too many distractions with football season. And look, we're, what, six weeks away from the start of the NBA uh, roughly, and then also the start of the NHL. So wow. baseball just kind of takes a backseat, except for the playoffs, which are obviously just very, very exciting. I didn't realize we were that close to NBA. That makes me very excited because obviously WNBA will be wrapping up too, so I'll get some more basketball back in. But uh, why why September? I feel like I've seen a bunch of baseball betters posting about having a really rough August. Yeah, I mean, I had a rough August until I went 11-1 and one over the last 12 plays. <laughs> so it's just kind of the roller coaster ride <laughs> 
uh, of this daily grind. But September's tricky. You know, you get a lot of very, very inflated favorite prices. You get some of the bad teams calling up some minor league guys just to kind of mm. utilize that 40-man roster and all that because a lot of teams have a 40-man roster crunch coming up. You know, you get players that get called up younger and younger nowadays. So guys on the 40-man roster, you have to make some tough decisions in terms of protecting them for the Rule 5 draft. So, you know, teams kind of want to get a look at some of those guys. Pitchers get shut down because they've thrown too many innings or they're on pitch counts or innings limits or whatever the case may be. And then there's football. So it's just one of those things where, you know, and I wrote about this in Thursday's article. If you try to be a master of everything, you will be a master of nothing. So yeah. I just kind of shelf baseball and focus on football and trying to catch up a little bit with my NFL prep. I've done a ton of college prep, but the NFL I'm a little bit behind on from doing baseball. So, you know, doing college here for week zero and week one and trying to do NFL uh, to get ready for week one of that season. I love that. If you try to be an expert of everything, you won't. You're going to fail. And and I think that's the thing that's not said enough. It reminds me of actually national news doing coverage on, let's say, a local story. Like, I'm going to trust the local beat a little bit more because they're doing that year in and year out. That's the only thing they cover. So a national sports network come on and start talking about that issue. And I go, well, you're just talking about that today. You're not really an expert of it. So it's really tough, especially in sports betting. We dive a little bit deeper than obviously just who's going to win the game. And so we have to be able to really get into this stuff and so i think that's taken for granted people think we pop on air and just start talking about things but there's research that goes on behind this well, uh, what was point, your like it it never yeah. ends right it, it, it there's never. always a season there's no off season there it yeah. never ends so there's no sports betting off season <laughs> right you, you have to draw a line somewhere and, and you know there are a lot of you know very important influential betting syndicates out there that only bet half the season you know because they mm. feel like by the second half of the year their edges are gone. The market has matured so much that there aren't a lot of games with line value. So there are some very impressive, very successful syndicates out there that'll only bet college football through week seven or week eight. You know, only mm. bet the NFL for the first half of the year. Only bet the first half of the college basketball season just because things tighten up. And you know, the reality of it is there's only so many hours in the day to read and write and research and do all these different things that it takes to bet. And mm -hmm. we're saying this as people who do this for a living. You know, imagine somebody who's got a nine to five, a factory job or works swing shifts, has kids and a wife and all that kind of thing. There's only so much time in the day and you kind of need to prioritize. And, and for me, you know, I don't have kids, but I've got a wife and, you know, obviously I'm covering all the sports that I can. But, you know, something has to fall out of the priority list and baseball becomes that in September. And that's just reflecting of interest as well. We know that football, just more people tend to bet football than baseball. And also baseball is so high variance in a lot of ways. So maybe you could argue too that people can get a little bit better edge on football too. And to your point, I'm glad that at Vston we have people who are dedicated to certain sports. I know that you were the go-to baseball person and I knew if there was somebody who was paying attention to it, it was you or Greg Peterson. So it's nice that we have these kind of experts so we can shift throughout the season so people can get ahead of the next thing that they have to cover pretty much. And I know that we also just had the NFL betting guide come out for VSIN. Did you get to contribute to that at all? I know that you are like the hardest working man. You're covering everything. <laughs> I did. I wrote the uh, four teams in the NFC West. I wrote their team previews. And then I also did a season win total tiers preview, about 4,000 words mm. of win totals I love, win totals I like, win totals I'm not sure about, and then win totals I wouldn't bet with your money because they mm. could just go a variety of different ways. So that was another contribution I had to the NFL guide. And, you know, the college football guide still very relevant. I wrote 49 team previews for that. Uh, so, yeah, you know, there's, there's plenty of writing, plenty of research that I do. And, again, it's another reason why I just thought, you know what, with baseball, yeah, it's time to kind of cut that off, you know. 
Yeah, absolutely. You have to you have to pick your battles. That's what it is, really. And, and look for your places where you can find value. So amid the WNBA playoffs, I will also be diving into our NFL guide. So you can check that out at vcin.com. Let's get into what I really wanted to ask you about, because you were the person who broke this news to me, actually, because I was doing something else. And I see a text from Adam. It goes, looks like we have something to talk about with the Angels this week. Possibly up for sale, Arturo Moreno announced Tuesday he's beginning a formal process to evaluate strategic alternatives, including a possible sale of the team. He's probably known as one of the most hands-on, if you will, owners in the league and also the only non-white principal owner. What was your reaction to this? So look, shy of a miracle cure for Mike Trout, this is the best (laughs) news possible for Angels fans because Artie Moreno is a guy that meddles too much, and I don't like meddling owners. I'd rather the owners let the people that they put into decision-making positions make the decisions. And what I really hate about this is that Moreno put his foot down and said, no, you can't trade Shohei Otani. Shortly after getting the Mike Trout diagnosis of, hey, this guy's got a back condition he's going to deal with for the rest of his career – And now it comes to light, oh, I guess now he wants to sell the team. So, you know, look, he he blocked them with making any kind of Otani trade at the deadline, something that would have absolutely helped this organization because as great of a player as Otani is, as historic of a player as Otani is, this team and this organization needs a lot more help than just one player. And they could have gotten that at the trade deadline. But at least now this could signal a new beginning. You know, they've made a lot of very unwise expenses in terms of free agency. So I don't know who's going to buy this team. And, you know, now you're buying, sad to say, the damaged goods of Mike Trout that you're tied to for a very long period of time. So, you know, there's some interesting overhead to worry about with a potential sale, but getting somebody in there who's going to let the decision makers make the decisions should ultimately help this organization in the long run. Yeah, and I mean, to your point, a lot of baggage coming with that. I know the Angels are also currently being sued by one of the families of the former pitcher who committed suicide. They also uh, had that whole thing go down with the Anaheim City Council, and they were supposed to sell Angel Stadium, and I'm sure Artie was not happy about that. And then to your point about there being baggage, the Nationals up for sale as well. So which team looks a little bit less, uh, or which one looks more enticing, I guess would be the question. And also, of course, Shohei Otani becomes a big factor in that. Yeah, he does. I mean, look, you know, whoever comes in to to buy this team, I don't know if that's enough to swing the balance of signing Otani to a a Mm -hmm. multi-year deal. It Mm -hmm. seems like he's kind of made his mind up. But then again, you know, if this sale goes through and if it goes through relatively quickly, you know, if there are interested buyers, and, and I don't know why there wouldn't be in such a huge market like the Los Angeles Anaheim area, you know, maybe that's something that kind of swings the pendulum for Otani and he thinks about sticking around. So, that would be, you know, priority number one, I think, for any incoming owner would be, you know, hey, let's let's figure this guy out because that's a guy you build your franchise around in terms of marketing opportunities and, you know, a big draw at the, at the gate, stuff like that. Um, I, it's a really good question that you ask about, you know, which team is kind of in a better scenario because you've got Trout. You've got a guy to build around in Anaheim. You don't have a Mike Trout with the Nationals. You know, you've got a very, very young team with a rebuilt farm system. It's kind of a blank slate, and you do have you know, a good organizational relationship with a guy like Scott Boris where you could sign his free agents. So, I wow, I, I think I would probably lean towards Washington being a little bit better of a buy just because there's it's not surprising, right? surrounding the team. But, you know, look, again, I mean, the, the opportunities are endless to be in, in that Los Angeles area. You just hope the Dodgers kind of come back to earth a little bit if you do. Do you expect that 
when there is or if there is a new ownership group as well that we'll see more money spent on the Angels as well. I think historically haven't spent more than, what, $183 million on their roster? Yeah, you know, I think it's tricky because they've had some very high-dollar contracts and they've tried to mm-hmm. kind of build around that, and it doesn't really work that way. It's a very hard way uh, to make a living as an organization. So, you know, they'll eventually Anthony Rendon will come off the books. You know, eventually some of these other high-dollar contracts will come off the books. They have to spend money because their farm system's not good enough. I think yeah. if if I came in and took over as, as the ownership group there, the first thing Finally, that I Finally, the savior we need. Yeah, yeah. if anyone's got <laughs> what, uh, $2.5 billion or whatever it's going to take, maybe more than that, to buy that team. Um, if anyone's got that, please let me know. Feel free. But what I would do is I would make a big investment internally. I would work on my player development. I would hire player development coaches. I would build, I don't know if they have one, but I would build a baseball academy somewhere in Latin America. Um, you know, definitely enhance my spring training complex with better facilities and all of that. I think you have to make that commitment internally to get better because then you don't have to spend like a drunken sailor in free agency to try and make things work. So I don't know if that's what will happen. Probably not. But that's what I would do. I would make a big investment internally before I start spending external money on free agents because a lot of times free agents are you know decent short-term buys, but long-term, because of the contract length you have to sign them to, they wind up being negatives at the end of those deals. And we constantly talk about how successful the Dodgers are. It's not only the amount of money they spend, which is a lot, but also that farm system. So I think you're absolutely right. And it just seems like such an obvious fix, especially in an L.A. market where you assume someone can come in and this is such a profitable area and franchise and media and all of that, that you should be able to spend a lot of money and and create better results, especially from internally. So I love all of that. Uh, Unfortunately, the Angels have been on a very... Well, it depends on what side. If you've been fading them, it's been going great, I'm sure, because I think they've won one of their last 10, and now they're uh, off to face the Blue Jays in Toronto Friday through Sunday. Reed Detmers on the mound on Friday. What is your read on Reed? Oh, I like that. Um, (laughs) First, I I think something that we have to keep in mind, obviously, is any time that a team goes and plays in Toronto, you run the risk of somebody not being available because of the vaccination rules. Uh, yes. You know, to get into the country and, and play up there in Toronto. Asterisk. Um, but, you know, for Reed Detmers, he's – we talked about this, I think, a little bit last week where some of these pitchers have been silver linings for them. I love Patrick Sandoval. Still a huge fan. Complete game shutout against the Tigers uh, earlier this week or late last week, whenever it was. But Detmers has been a guy that's gotten much better as the season's gone along as well. And that's a good thing. You know, again, you talk about internal development. You've got Reed Detmers at a cheap price for a long period of time. If you can build up those pitchers internally, that's when you can spend money on other areas of need. The Angels really haven't been able to do that. I mean, think about the pitchers that they've developed over the last 15 years. How many of them are memorable names? How many of them are guys that you think about and go, oh, yeah, that guy was pretty good? Not many. So if they can do that with a guy like Detmers, as they've kind of done with Sandoval, that's huge for them. And Detmers does draw a Toronto lineup that's very right-handed heavy with a lot of right-handed power. It may not be the best matchup for him, but he's been better as the season's gone along, and that's really all you can ask for. I feel like the only pitcher I ever would pay attention to being on the mound is Shohei Otani, obviously for the Angels, but even that hasn't been as consistent. He doesn't have the run support among a list of other things. Do you expect uh, him to pull back in any kind of way here towards the end of the season as well? Well, I've, I've kind of wondered, you know, I mean, I, he had the stomach virus and, and that sort mm-hmm. of is what it is. But, you know, he left that one game where he had to be pinch hit for with a forearm cramp or whatever. 
there's a chance that this guy's body is kind of wearing down a little bit. You know, I mean, yeah. he's he's pitching a lot, even though they've had a six-man rotation most of the year. He's been in the lineup just about every day because he has to be. And he's also had to take on a little bit more stress because Mike Trout's been gone for, for a good portion of the season here. So I think Otani may just be wearing down a little bit. And, and who can blame him? I mean, you know, the guy DHs when he pitches, too. So, yeah. you know, it's just, it's just one of those Absolutely. things where... I, there's only so much you can ask of a guy, and, and I think that we, we've kind of reached that point with him where he's sort of breaking down a bit. Sure, and I'm sure the news of this, the sale of the team is not necessarily cheerful either. Maybe it is for him, at least, because he'll be either signing something very lucrative or off to somewhere else. Do you, if, you, if Shohei left, where would you see him landing? Have you thought about it at all? Well, I mean... I saw a list that had the Dodgers near the top. I was gonna say he could just go to the Dodgers. That wouldn't really wouldn't really shock <laughs> All anybody. The cool kids are doing. I, I mean, it. look, I think the question is, you know, so you look at what guys are getting paid around Major League Baseball to be a hitter of Otani's caliber and a pitcher of Otani's caliber, and it's kind of like, does anybody give this guy fifty million dollars a year? Because that's mm -hmm. probably what he's worth, if not more. Yeah, it seemed like yeah. the Dodgers probably could. Uh, I. The Yankees haven't really spent a whole lot in free agency. Brian Cashman's kind of focused on developing internally and kind of trading for guys and stuff like that. I don't know if the Yankees would would be that big of a player, but also, I mean, Otani in that market, I mean, you know, there's a lot of endorsement potential for him and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think one team that could kind of be off the beaten path potentially would be actually right there in the same division, the Texas Rangers. Because mm. Texas is a team, they've shown a willingness to spend in the past, particularly in free agency. They've got some shuffling going on right now where John Daniels was just let, relieved of his duties. They fired manager Chris Woodward. So they're kind of changing a little bit here. But they need pitching. They need pitching bad. And it doesn't hurt to have Otani's bat in the lineup either. So I think a team like Texas would be a team that you know could potentially throw money at him. And again, you think about the other considerations of you know, the tax rate in Texas is a hell of a lot better than it is in California. So, mm. you know, his agent would kind of look at it and say, yeah, you can make 50 million a year with the, with the Dodgers, or you can make 45 million a year in Texas and you're going to keep a lot more of it. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's something that'll really factor in where he's going to get the highest average annual value of any player ever, just because of what he's capable of doing. I know that I've also seen comments that perhaps he would stay on the west coast because maybe that's easier obviously for him uh with where he's from and also just la being so accessible so i don't know if there's that kind of factor in play for him at all uh, they said obviously his main focus seattle's is winning been a player you know sorry to interrupt seattle's been a player yeah, yeah. in terms of the asian markets you know for a long time yes. so maybe that's a situation where, where he may be interested in going there as well yeah, I completely agree. I, that's really what I was thinking about, too, outside of the Dodgers. Um, speaking of the Dodgers, they are did not play Thursday, but they are back in action on Friday. They have four games at Miami. We're not sure who's going to be on the mound for them on Friday, but Tyler Anderson for the Dodgers. Any thoughts on this uh, schedule coming up? I'm cracking up because I went on My Guys in the Desert with Stormy Bonatoni on Monday and thought, I'm going to give her some action. You know, we like to come on the show. Usually it's not a day I would have bet on baseball, perhaps, but going on the show. Took Dodgers run line. They've been covering that. They lost Milwaukee four to zero, and luckily, <laughs> fully tilted. Do not do this. I was like double or nothing. They're gonna make it up to me tomorrow, and they did. They won ten to one, and they won twelve to six on Wednesday. Uh, but it just goes to show you can't just blindly bet trends. You can't just be like Dodgers run line, no problem. No, sometimes it happens, and you mm. know the funny thing. And that is was a Julio game. 
Yeah, well, the funny thing is they got shut down by Eric Lauer in that game. Yes. Even though what? over the last week they've blown up Corbin Burns and Sandy Alcantara. So, yeah. like, they Make beat, it make sense. Yeah. I jinxed it. Baseball makes no sense whatsoever. But, you know, I mean, they knock around last year's Cy Young Award winner and this year's assumed Cy Young Award winner in the span of a week, but then struggle with Eric Lauer. And then they beat up Adrian Hauser on Wednesday night, a game where I had the first five over and a cash in the first inning. So those are always nice. really nice. Look, I mean, going down to Miami – yeah, you know it's it's not a good offensive environment. The Marlins have not scored basically all season long. But ever since mm-hmm. Jazz Chisholm went out, like they're on this epic run of cashing their under team total of being held to three or fewer runs. It's been like I don't know thirty of thirty three games or something like that at this point in time. They just don't mm-hmm. score, and the Dodgers do, and the Dodgers score quite well. The only question with the Dodgers is the same thing that we've kind of wondered is. Are they engaged that day or are they not? And if they're not, they get then, up for this. You know, then they may lose three to one. If they are, then they'll probably win ten to one. So that's just kind of what they've been, and they've been very engaged here of late. So mm-hmm. it's going to be tough for Miami. I think the biggest thing is, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, and I'd have to double check the schedule here. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they go face the Mets after that. That's they what do. I'm I was going to ask you about that at New York. That that's your probably your NLCS preview. So that will be Mm. a series that will be fascinating from both sides. And the Dodgers, when asked to make statements, have. They beat up Alcantara. They beat up Burns. They've beaten up the Padres all year long. They've blown out the Giants almost every time they've played them. Uh, When they have to step up, they do. So that's the series I'm really interested in seeing next week. We'll see Tyler Anderson versus Jacob deGrom. What do you think we'll see? That's the Wednesday, August 31st game. That's, I mean, look, that that's what October is going to be about, I think. Because I do yes. think that that's your NLCS. What do the Dodgers do against Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, who they will see twice in a seven-game series, probably mm-hmm. see one of them three times? Like, that's, that's the National League in a nutshell to me. And, and I think the Braves are a good team. The Cardinals are much more impressive than I expected them to be. But I don't think anybody has the firepower of the Dodgers or the Mets. So that's your NLCS preview. And... We'll see how DeGrom looks against the Dodgers in that start. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm excited for the Angels to be hopefully selling their team as well. And I'm also excited for you to be switching gears to football here. And let people know, what is the new project you're working on at VSIN? I'm working on a project all the time, pretty much. But uh, <laughs> The college football <laughs> I am doing my. I have to be specific. I am doing my college football power ratings this season. So that'll be posted mm-hmm. Sunday night going into Monday morning. So I'll be updating those every week. And it's not even just putting the power ratings out there it's talking about the process if you want to set your own numbers or just simply the process coming out of the weekend you know i i have a three-step process that i use in terms of updating my power ratings that i think will have value for everybody you know i'm comparing my line against the market closing line Mm -hmm. i'm taking a look at the box scores to see if there was anything weird you know if a game didn't play to expectation why not was one Mm -hmm. team just way better than the other was there a turnover margin discrepancy something like that and then also Finding injury information is very hard to do in college football. So I have to do that. I have to crowdsource opinion or not opinions, but crowdsource different places for that. Yeah. So you know, that's my process to update my power ratings. And I will outline that every week uh, over at vcin.com. So I think it'll be a really useful tool for everybody. And it also helps you maybe get in front of some numbers that are going to move as the week goes along. So that's one of I need uh, to do that. any projects. I, I need to get in early. I don't. I, I'd never get closing line value with the NFL. I'm always making my bets late in the week, so I need to get over that. <laughs> the, one, the one thing I will say is in the NFL, information means a lot more 
than it does yes. in college football. You know, to, to have the injury reports, especially the final one, you know, on mm -hmm. Friday and all of that. I, yeah, you, you want to try and, and certainly get closing line value in any sport where you can get it. But I, I think in the NFL, you know, knowledge maybe means a little bit more than line equity, unless you're talking about, a, you know, something around a key number. But I, I think knowing who's actually going to be out there, because the injury reports are so long in the NFL, you know, and, and in college football, unless it's a quarterback, it doesn't really make too much of a difference usually. But in the mm -hmm. NFL, you get cluster injuries on the offensive and defensive lines and all of that. So I, I think that jumping out in front of the market for college football is a little bit more valuable than the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, some people may completely disagree with that statement, but I, I think having that, that injury report, and a little bit more certainty in the NFL where it's just a tighter market, right? You don't see four and five point line moves in the NFL really like you do in college football, unless there's an injury. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the NFL numbers kind of are what they are. And I think information is a little bit more powerful. Whereas in college football, I think getting out in front of the market because the moves are so much bigger uh, carries a lot more weight and a lot more equity. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, definitely something to look forward to on vcin.com from Adam Burke. Check him out on Twitter at Skating Tripods. As always, Adam, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it, Daniel. We have WNBA semifinals to talk about going on on Sunday. Storm at Aces, such a good regular season matchup. And Sun at Sky, same exact thing. So we'll talk about that next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Welcome back in to the Los Angeles City Cast. Danielle Alvari here, ready to talk some WNBA. Let's get into it. We have two games going on on Sunday. The semifinals begin. Game one's Storm at the Aces is the first series, and the other one we'll see is Sun at the Sky. So, of course, they're headed to uh, play at the court of the higher seed in this matchup. And just to recap really quick, uh, finally went back and entered all my bets from the last week or so that I've been lazy to enter into my spreadsheet, but entered those in, caught up to where we're at. 59% of the season, really proud of that one. 94 and 64 and 10 and four in playoffs so far. So let's, let's keep it rolling. Hopefully it's, it's, I have to say it's much harder to bet playoffs, which I mean, shouldn't be shocking. There's a lot less games. So it does feel like the lines are a little bit sharper. Nevertheless, I do feel like there's some bets I actually like in these games more so than in the game threes we saw. So the games will be uh, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday for the first three games. So we'll see the first one uh, this coming Sunday. Then the following Wednesday, there'll be a second game Sunday. And then if we go to game four, that will be on the following Tuesday. And then game five would be Thursday. I hope we get some game fives. That would be exciting. But I don't know that we will especially in the Sun and Sky series. I don't, I don't, and it's maybe I'm too low on the Sun, but of the four teams remaining in the playoffs, that's the ticket I would like the least of the Futures tickets. And I did end up getting a Storm 6-1 to one ticket. I wanted to have a Futures ticket. I do really like the Sky to win this too. The only teams that I don't want a ticket on really is the Sun or the Aces. I don't know if the Aces have enough to get it done. Their offensive power is undeniable. Becky Hammond, they're well-coached. Uh, Asia Wilson, MVP caliber season, but... I just think the Storm and the Sky are a little bit more complete teams, and the Storm are rolling right now. So we'll see how they look against the Aces. Maybe we'll get five games. But as far as their game one on Sunday, the total for this one, 170 to 170 and a half. You're getting five and a half points with the Storm. I wouldn't take them personally. They played four times this season, and Vegas won three of them. They won by eight, by nine, and by 11. Seattle won one of them on June 29th by 10. So... I'm not really interested. This is very similar to the game threes. If you heard me discuss those games, uh, I, I'm not really interested in a five and a half, a six, a seven, even 
maybe I would take seven with the storm, but, uh, also pointed out by Eric eager, who does a great job with pro football focus, but also dabbles in the WNBA, uh, pointed this out to me on Twitter as well, that just in playoffs, sometimes the spreads get a little bit out of control or the amount of points that will allow to be scored, I guess at the end can get a little bit egregious as we've seen in the Seattle and the Washington series. And most recently in the wings and the sun series. So, uh, with that, I do think that I don't want any part of this spread. I do also think that 170 might be too high. You'll, you may recall as well, Calvin Wetzel was on the pod but a week ago or so, uh, last Wednesday's pod. And we talked about if there was a 170, if they were going to put a 170 on this game, it would be tempting to look under. And I'm I'm in on it. It's 170 and a half where I got it. I think 170 is too high for this matchup if the Storm lean into what they need to, which is their defense is stronger than the Aces' defense. They have to figure out how to disrupt that Aces' offense. Brianna Stewart's rolling right now on the offensive side of the ball. Sue Bird, Jewel Lloyd, really all of Seattle looks really strong. So I think they're going to be able to keep up with the Aces on that front for the most part, but they need to figure out ways to create chaos for their offense so that they can really just dominate with their defense. And I also think that we're talking about playoff basketball. So hopefully we're seeing a little bit of a stronger defensive effort from both teams. Again, they played four times this season. The most recent was a very high scoring game. I believe it went to overtime. It was well over a hundred points on each side. So if we take a look here, 109 to 100, uh, Las Vegas was not overtime. It was a regular, regular season game. Uh, Their last game last season, though, in 2021, did go to overtime. That's what I'm probably remembering. I think that uh, one team is going to kind of run away with this first one. Maybe it'll be close. I don't don't see it playing out that way. I lean under the 170 and a half. Not a fun one when you look at this Aces offense and the way that the Storm offense has been playing as well. And maybe they'll just open it up and let both of their teams run it. But I think the smartest thing for the Storm would be to try to tamper that Aces offense down. So I'm going to go under 170 and a half and probably not enjoy it, but there it is. If you want it as for the sun in the sky, sky getting, or excuse me, laying three and a half total for this one, 166 and a half. They've also played four times this season and the sky won all four of them. One of them, I believe was the commissioner's cup game, a little extra money for them as well. And one of those four games actually went to overtime, but no, the sky swept the sun in the regular season. And if you really want to get into it, the sky won two matchups last year, the last two. So they're actually on a six game win streak against the sun. Will it be broken? I don't know. Maybe in the, maybe at some point in this series, but I don't think so in game one. I also think that the sky know not to mess around in game one after the way that they had that let down to New York in their first game. Uh, they're not going to hopefully mess that up again at home. Uh, and the sun, meanwhile, have an interesting game on had an interesting game on Sunday in their game three where they beat the wings. They only shot 35%. They put a ton of shots up, well over 70, uh, but only shot 35%. They were four of 17 from three, which is definitely piqued my interest. And also uncharacteristically went 15 of 23 from free throw. So not the best free throw performance. And the only reason I point that one out is they're generally a good free throw shooting team, but the sky are always a good free throw shooting team. So I give the sky the advantage in the free throw and also in the three ball you have Allie Quigley the four-time three-point champ from all-star weekend uh that just kind of comes with the territory even though she's kind of had a off year for her uh Courtney Vandersloot also been pretty consistent from three as well at least in the last couple games we've seen so the sky just shoot a three ball more consistently than the sun do and that's a problem I mean we saw that as a weak spot for the sun in game two they also lost game uh, excuse me in game two in which they lost to the wings and then that pushed it to a game three 
And even in the game one that they won, the threes were just not what they work well with. And I think part of that is the Sun lack a little bit of offensive identity, it appears at least. And it makes sense because they lost Jasmine Thomas midseason um, and kind of had to figure out what to do. They were doing a completely different setup at the start of the season, as Brendan Glasheen pointed out also on Wednesday's pod. So I just think that the Sun lack a little bit of identity, and that is going to cost them and we've seen it cost them literally four times this season but these were such fun games during the regular season to watch so competitive so before you get all high on the sky these were close games one went to overtime as i mentioned if you take a look at the head-to-head chicago won on august 7th 94 to 91 by three points july 31st Connecticut loses in overtime by three chicago wins again on june 29th they win that one by eight so a little bit uncharacteristic. And then June 10th, uh, that was their first time that they played each other, and Chicago won by four. So there was one outlier where they won by eight, but in general, we're talking three, four points deciding these games, and one of them going to overtime. So I'm not eager to lay the three and a half at the sky, but if you if you twisted my arm, I would bet the sky minus three and a half. You might get a better number um, closer to game time, but I, I'm not sure that this will move a whole lot. And I do think that you may get an opportunity in-game because the sky and the sun both tend to start a little bit slow in general, but one has to exceed the other. And so I actually think the sky, if you look back at these games, their offense seems to kind of flourish against the sun, especially in the first half. So I would like something too, like sky over their first half points total, which I think was around 41 and a half when I looked. So sky over their first half would be where I'm going to go. And then also sky... Uh, over full game 84 and a half they scored 94 versus them 84 in the overtime game before overtime so you know if there wasn't overtime they still got 84 points in in the four by in four quarters 94 points scored 84 points scored uh, 91 and 83 so you can see that 84 and a half could be dicey if you think that it's going to be on the lower side but keep in mind that 84 game that went to overtime so it did go over anyways <laughs> so but in the four quarters, they got to 84 points with no Candace Parker playing in that game. Candace Parker is playing in this game. <laughs> also, that 83 was that first game of the season back in May that these two teams faced off, or excuse me, June. And uh, I think there was no Kalia Copper for that one, too. Somebody else was out for the Sky. So I do think the Sky are going to be able to go over this. They've been going over this in their most recent games. Their offense has been looking very nice. Uh, sky are just a more complete team with options we love options and a solid defense the sun are missing jasmine Tonis. they've lacked identity since then especially on offense not really sure what their plan is at any point it'll be interesting to look at some player props for this as well but nevertheless expect a close game uh, i kind of hope we don't see overtime but we could we could see it again and i do think the sky get this done uh, total sitting at 166 and a half that's going to be a live bet for me if anything but take it or leave it. That's what we got. I'm very excited as we head into semifinals here. Again, first game on Sunday and the next will be on Wednesday. So we'll have more on that for that, of course. Thanks for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. And by us, I mean me, at Danielle Avari. Uh, until then, I'll see you back for more Los Angeles action right here on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sports.